Take your Bibles, turn to the 103rd Psalm. We are continuing our study on the family, and you'll think, I don't think that's a passage about the family, Pastor. Well, tell me somebody, what is a principle? What not somebody that you meet at school? What is a principle? I'll let you wake up and think about it. What's a principle? Okay, a thought to live by. That's a good thing. Principle. A thought to live by. A principle is a concept that it applies to several areas. You know, a principle isn't just a, a statement about one specific thing, but it's a, a thought that you can live by, and it applies itself to several areas of our lives. So I'm going to look here in Psalm 103, and I'm aware that, uh, you know, the psalmist is talking really about Israel and et cetera, et cetera, but he's going to give us some principles of how God deals with us. And as we're looking at the family right now, we're really focusing primarily on dad. <clears throat> the Bible uh, puts a great amount of responsibility upon the man in a house. He is to lead. He is the one who is given the responsibility of teaching and training uh, the whole family. And so we're talking about uh, the husband. We're talking about the dad in this circumstance, in these circumstances. We're focusing right there. Uh, remember what we've already learned. We've, we've remembered that God is the one who established the home. So therefore, because God is the one who established the home, he is the one that has the right to, to establish the rules of how a home is to look and how it's supposed to operate, etc., etc. But beyond that, it's not just that he has the right. Of course, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, but because he loves us, he wants us to have the greatest opportunity uh, to learn about him, to grow in his grace, to enjoy the creation that he's given us. And so what he does then is he gives us principles to live by, and if we'll follow those principles, we will find the greatest joy that he has in store for us. So there are some of those principles we're going to apply here from Psalm 103. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the challenges we've already heard Thank you for the heart that, that the Buckleys have for China and pray that you would open up the doors for them uh, financially, that you would provide for them quickly and get them to that country, that you would use them mightily in China. God, I pray that you would guide uh, our church in how we might uh, establish ourselves in their ministry. And God, I pray tonight that you would take your word and open it up to our hearts. Uh, may we be drawn to you through it. May we be challenged by it. May we live for you in greater fashion as a result of the principles we see laid out here today. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I'm aware of the time, all right? Uh, so when we have a missionary, I, I adjust. That's why I always put myself last, all right? So I can always adjust. So don't worry about it. We'll get you out of here by at least 930. Not a problem. <clears throat> you know I'm kidding. So Psalm 103, by the way, is like, if I could, if I had to, if you really nailed me down to pick a favorite psalm, I believe it would be Psalm 103, uh, because of the whole concept of what it is. Take a look at it from the beginning. Bless the Lord of my soul, and all that, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul, and forget not, and then it says these words, all his benefits, and really the rest of the passage is going to talk about how we are benefited by having God to be a part of our lives. And it's a, there's wonderful benefits as you go through, uh, going on to uh, verse 3, who forgiveth all our iniquities and healeth all thy diseases, 
who redeemeth thy, thy life from destruction, uh, who <clears throat> crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed as the eagles. Excuse me, I'm going to step down here and grab my water. Keep praying for my voice. I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it just is what it is, all right? So God knows he'll take care of it. But I'm going to drink some water while, we do it, while he's doing that. All right. <clears throat> I was listening to that song they were singing, and it said, I will sing every day. And I thought, oh, yes. I wish I could do that still. I still do. That's the problem. But uh, I just, it just doesn't sound that good. But anyway, uh, I love that song. That was great. So what we want to do is look at some verses now that we can apply directly to dads. Take a look down, if you would, please, with me at verse 13. And, uh, oh, let's jump back up before I skip these other things, because they're just so good, I can't skip them. Uh, take a look, if you would, at verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Aren't you glad that's a benefit that we have of this God of ours? Aren't you glad that God isn't a God sitting on the throne with a lightning bolt in hand, just daring us to step out of line? Because if that was the case, we would already be gone, right? We stepped out of line, oh, I don't know how many times today. And uh, this is just how gracious God is. You go on down another famous passage of scripture in verse 11. For uh, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as removed our transgressions from us. This has nothing to do with parenting yet. But uh, notice that God did not say as far as the north is from the south. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that is. You can literally measure the point where you are walking north to the point that you start walking south. You can measure that. But if you start walking east, you just keep walking east. And you just keep walking east. Or if you start walking west, you just keep walking west. East and west don't have a meeting point. North and south do. And if God said, I'll separate your sin as far as north and south, you just know us. It's our nature. We would measure it out, and we would somehow figure out how that God's mercy has that limit. And that's not what God is saying at all. He's saying that his mercy, his grace is so great that he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. Never shall they meet. Anyway, so that's, that has nothing to do with the message. Let's get down to verse 13 because I told you I'd get you out of here in time. Take a look at verse 13. Like as a father. Now do you see the correlation? Oh yeah, I want to talk to dads for just a moment, all right? I want us to take a look at how God deals with us and God makes the comparison of himself to us, by the way, which is an amazing statement by itself. God compares himself to a father. So, in other words, this ought to be second nature for dads to be this way. And this is the way God is for us as well. And he's going to describe what God says. This is the way dads ought to be. Like as a father, what does it say? Pitieth his children. Now listen, have you ever known that guy, dads, I want us to learn some things here. Have you ever known that guy that is so harsh and so overbearing with his children? Have you ever walked out of somebody's house or out of somebody's conversation and thought to yourself, I am so glad that guy is not my dad. And I'm going to say to you, dads, and to myself, let's not be one of those. Instead, let's mirror the father of the heavenly father who takes and compares himself to what he says ought to be common among fathers. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. I mean, you and I, dads, ought to learn 
to have some mercy and some grace about the way we approach our families. It is not that God gives us this hard and fast list of rules and our job is not to be the principal and mete out punishment. That's not the only job that we have. Our job is not to be the hall monitor and mete out demerits. That's not the job that we have. As a father, the first thing that God it seems to come to the mind of God is that a father shows pity upon his children. And I want to encourage us dads to buffer the need for our children to, and please hear me out, I, I know that our children need to be obedient. And I am well aware that if our children are not obedient, especially as a pastor, God says, if I can't control my own house, I ought not to be in charge of the house of God. I'm aware of how God holds us to a standard. But I'm also aware of how God treats us from the perspective of a father. And he does not always chide. Neither would he keep his anger forever. We skipped over that verse. And he hath not rewarded us according to our sins, nor, or dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Instead, what he does is he approaches us with mercy, grace, with pity. And dads, if we could learn something, I'm not asking you to wimp out. I'm not asking you to, to quit uh, leading and instructing. But I am asking that we would, like God, buffer our authority with wisdom, grace, mercy, knowledge, all of those things that God, and, and God seems to think this ought to be second nature for us as dads. I am broken. I'm hurt. I, I, I teach at a Christian school. I work with your kids, and, and I've worked with kids all of my ministry, literally all of my ministry, and my ministry started almost 40 years ago now. And it is an amazing thing to me how many fathers who have been touched by the grace of God and know what it is to be taken from darkness into light, who know what it is to, to see the grace of God at work in their own lives and struggle to express the grace of God to their own children. This kind of leads me to a funny story. Uh, Jack Martin, uh, if there's, there's probably about four of us in here that remember Jack Martin. But uh, he was a man that went to our church years ago. He's with the Lord. And he told the story of one time he had done something wrong. His, and he, had a, he was being raised by a single mom. And uh, so his mom was like, bend over. She had the paddle out. And she is about to let him have it. And so what she does is he hears the whack, but he doesn't feel anything. And by the time he, she gets to the third whack, he's wondering what's going on. And he looks back. And she is slapping her own leg. And she says, I want you to know what God did for you and me. But wow, what a great teaching responsibility. So one day, I'm using that psychology on my own kids. You've probably heard this part of the story before. And uh, my kids had messed up. They tore the curtain down. And they wouldn't agree to who, which of them that it was that did it. And so I, in my way of trying to use that psychology... Uh, said, well, maybe we ought to just let Mama take the punishment. And before I could change anything, Mia said, yeah, we said she grabbed the paddle and went whack and hit Melody on the leg. <laughs> and I thought Melody was going to tear my head off. <laughs> but I was too busy laughing. It was just too funny. Oh, my goodness. Like as a father pitied his children. This is, 
This is the approach that we ought to begin to have for our children to understand why should we do this. Keep reading. Look what it says in verse 14. For he, this is the Father, the Heavenly Father, he knoweth, listen to this, our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Now, again, I am not asking you to excuse your children's behavior. In fact, I would like to jerk a knot in some of your children's tails on myself, you know? Uh, I, I'm, I get tired of watching doors being slammed and kids running around. It's like, come on, stop. But I also, me, as your pastor, want to remember when I'm approaching your children. Guess what? I need to remember something. The same thing God, is called, God remembers about us. He remembers that we're but dust. You know, the Bible says, what is bound up, by the way, in the heart of a child? Foolishness. That's what the Bible says. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Do you know what you can expect from your kids, Dad? You can expect them to behave foolishly. That doesn't mean you shouldn't deal with them, but it ought not to surprise you when your children act out foolishly. Give me an amen. Kids over here. <laughs> I'm waiting for the kids to get low. Yes, go pastor. I'm defending you. You know, so God says, God says when he approaches us, you know, you know why we're still breathing? Does it dawn on you why we're still alive? Because he remembers that we are but dust. And he doesn't always come down on us hard and heavy-handed, but he remembers our frame. And like as a father pitied his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. So keep going. As for man, his days are as grass and flower of the field, so he nourisheth. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Now look at verse 17. Another principle wants to grab hold of, and I'll be done. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and listen to the rest of it. And dads, we need to get hold of this, and his righteousness unto children's children. Dads, when you and I are the right kind of dad, and we're approaching our children as God approaches us, Showing pity, remembering their weaknesses, and showing them the grace and the mercy of a Heavenly Father. Then, and then when we then live out His righteousness, following His example, and parenting this way, then that righteousness is to children and to children's children. And what a wonderful promise in the word of God that the impact that we have on our family goes beyond what we do in fact literally goes beyond our life that God says I will I will take this that you're doing showing forth the grace of God to your family and I will allow that grace to impact generations children and children's children that's not a guarantee that your children are going to get saved or that your grandkids are going to get saved. It is a guarantee that God's righteousness, God's mercy, and God's grace is going to continue to work just as truly as wickedness works that way. When we live wicked lives, then our sin impacts not just us and our children, but our children's children under the third and fourth generation, the Bible says. Just as surely as our wickedness impacts generations, so, when we adopt the righteous behavior that God allows us to have through His Spirit, and when we allow the fruits of the Spirit to become part of the way we're 
behaving ourselves in our homes, then our homes are also impacted for generations. God's righteousness. But it starts with like as a father. And I, was, I read that and I think, would God have been thinking about me? Could God have been thinking about me when he penned that verse? Is it second nature for this dad to be merciful and pity his children? Or do I find myself getting frustrated and just wanting to lay down the law and make everybody toe the line because I'm in charge, God put me in charge, and you need to sit down and listen? Wow. Like as a father, I do not, God says, I do not deal with you according to your sin or reward you according to your iniquities. 